Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 130, recording this after a fortnight's gap. Apologies for that. Rafe was swanning himself in Barcelona. Uh, I'm recording <laughs> this on Tuesday, the 10th of March, 2015. I'm Steve Litchfield. And I'm Rafe Clover. Yeah, thanks for that, Steve. It wasn't quite swanning about and sunning myself. I was uh, <laughs> was doing some work as well as catching up on the Windows Phone stuff and stuff for the day job as well. But it's always great to go to MWC because, of course, you get an overview of everything that's going on in the, well, I'd say the smartphone industry and the mobile industry, but now it encompasses so much more. That's the big thing about MWC, 90,000 people roughly. You see everything from connected cars, health, smart home, wearables. Oh, and there are a few devices being announced as well. Uh, It really does encompass the kind of the full spectrum of mobile. And there's always this kind of this phrase that's commonly used that mobile is eating the world. And I don't think that's anywhere better demonstrated than at uh, Mobile World Congress. But I thought we'll go through some of the MWC news. Uh, Steve's also had his hands on a kind of a new Windows phone device. We'll hear a bit more about that later. But yes, apologies for the gap. It just wasn't really practical to try and get a recording done. But we're going to make an extra effort to make this a, a special episode. And we should be back on our weekly or so schedule from here on in yes absolutely um yes the 435 we're going to come to later in this podcast also i did put up a 2015 review of the 930 kind of re-examining it in the light of a lumia denim and lumia camera 5 etc etc and all the stuff that denim brings so uh we'll link all of this stuff in the show notes but in the meantime yes microsoft did launch the lumia 640 and the 640 xl at mwc and the 640 is obviously, as it sounds, the successor to the 630 with a 5-inch screen this time. The 640 TXL is interesting in that it's, um, it, it's, I think they've done a sensible thing, Rafe. They're, they're, it's effectively the successor to the 1320, which was kind of numbered out of sequence and one of Nokia's first sort of Windows Phone phablets. This one's slightly smaller, but it's still unashamedly a phablet. And yet the very fact that the specs are relatively low and in line with the 640, I think they've done a rather excellent job of calling it the 640 XL, which makes it absolutely clear where it lies in terms of specification. Absolutely, and it's something that Nokia had done with their feature phones, this naming convention. And I was always a little bit irritated by the appearance of the 13 and the 1520 in terms of the numbering scheme. I think actually they were both very good devices because it didn't really fit in with the, the 1 to 9 scheme. It kind of broke that, you know, look at the first number and you can work out you know, where in the range it comes. And it makes absolute sense to do this. And the way it was described to me by Microsoft was that these devices are basically the same proposition. They've just got different screen sizes. Now, actually, I think it's a bit more complicated than that in the case of the 640, if you're looking at the kind of technical specs. But in terms of the rough positioning, you know, as mid-tier devices, actually, they're spot on. So I wouldn't be at all surprised in the future to see something like the the 940 and the 940 XL is replacing the kind of the 930 and the 1520 in due course. So in terms of that new naming scheme, very much in favour of this. I think it's a, a very sensible way to go. But also I think um, these devices really hit the mark on the mid-tier. And we've, we've had some great devices at the upper end of the mid-tier. We've talked about the 735 and the 830 at length, and we've had some you know, really strong devices at the low end, you know, the 435 being the most recent, but also the kind of that 520, 530 family. Uh, the 620 was a device that I think both Steve and I liked, and the 630 similarly, but it didn't feel that it had quite so much value about it 
Uh, I don't know what you think, Steve, but what really struck me about the 640 and the 640XL was they just delivered that little bit extra over the kind of the basic entry level devices without putting the price up too much. And I think it makes them very, very worthy successors to the kind of the 600 line. Yeah, absolutely. And you may remember for months now on this podcast, I've been saying that Microsoft <laughs> has been clearly upping the baseline to eight mega, um, uh, eight me- gigabyte, I get the specs right, eight gigabyte internal disk, one gigabyte of RAM, uh, and a Snapdragon 400. That's kind of the baseline they need to get to in to ensure that Windows 10 runs the, the, the full Windows 10 feature set on phones. And they've been doing this across the board. They've been phasing out the devices with the lower RAM, for example. And the 630 was guilty of this. Also in the baseline, a, fr- a front-facing camera. It doesn't matter about the spec. It needs to have an FFC. The 630 was failing there again. So this fixes the 6 line. Of course, we've got the 535, which is virtually identical specifications <laughs> as it happens, just a slightly a smaller processor. Um, but this this baseline of, of two cameras, the 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 eight gigabytes internal, the, the the micro SD, the one gig of RAM, Snapdragon 400. We've got a pretty capable set of devices now, and that there isn't a weak spot there. The only real weak spot is the older devices and all the ten or tens of millions of people with 520s, for example, we would have quite the same RAM. But certainly every currently selling device in 2015 from Microsoft here will have a a decent enough spec that can really genuinely be taken forward for the rest of 2015 and into 2016 with Windows 10. Absolutely. I I do still feel there's a a weak stop weak spot at the the top end with the high-end devices. We'll come back and talk about that a little bit later, maybe. Uh, But uh, as you say, it's kind of the emphasis really on on value here. I'm not sure whether it's about running Windows 10 itself efficiently, but certainly some of the experience that start getting delivered are going to work better if you just have this Snapdragon 400 and the, the gigabyte of RAM in particular as kind of that baseline. I think the low-end devices, it's not that they won't run it, but um, you kind of see this in some of the software that comes with it. And the 640XL, I think, is the best example of that, the way it brings in some of the kind of rich camera uh, capture experiences into the camera it has got a, a Zeiss and actually it's a, in some ways the 640XL is the one that really stands out as being really really good value for money I mean it's uh, prices starting at sort of 189 euros that's for the kind of the 3G dual SIM version it goes up to sort of 220 or so and those those prices will actually translate pretty directly into pounds on the high street uh, and then the 640 starts at kind of 139 euros and a, a little bit more for the LT version. Now, I think those prices, are, as we've seen in the past, will come down. And so you can expect to see something like the 640XL. Not, it won't be that far off long before it gets to kind of the 175, even 150 pounds and similarly kind of uh, 100 pounds for the 640. Now, that will admittedly take a few months, but you start thinking about that, you know, that 100 pound windows phone which you know we used to talk about the 520 ad infinitum at that price level that's obviously gone down a lot lower with some of the follow-on devices but you're really getting an awful lot for your money but the thing that really really stood out for me in value terms steve is actually they're also offering office 365 in select markets as kind of a bundle so you get you know basically full word powerpoint excel etc for a year, plus a, a terabyte of OneDrive storage space, plus 60 minutes of uh, a Skype. So it's kind of that Office 365 home package. Now, I appreciate a lot of people already have that out, but, uh, but if you think about people who may not have upgraded to 
Office 365, particularly kind of in this mid-tier or even you could say entry-level space, maybe students. I actually think that's a really fantastic uh, offer. I mean, it's quite sneaky of Microsoft in a way because they want to get you into the Office 365 ecosystem and paying a, a yearly subscription. But given what people may well be paying to have cloud storage space and, you know, to be using some Office in whatever form... I actually think that's not a bad deal and uh, you you will then be paying something like £60 a year thereafter, though no doubt there will also be special offers on on future phones. But that struck me as being particularly strong. Um, I think these devices are also really good for the enterprise market. The reason I say that is you you talk to a lot of companies and they're buying handsets for their employees. They don't really want to spend €600 on an iPhone or and more actually, or indeed any of the other high-end devices but they're sometimes reluctant to go to kind of the mid-tier or the lower-end devices because they don't think they've got quite the same quality. I mean, something like the 640XL is going to be really strong for doing kind of office editing, and that's something that's going to get a lot better with Windows 10. I'll come on to that in a minute because that was also demoed at MWC. But as I say, really standing out, and um, I did like the 640 actually has a brand-new camera module, but uh, from the little go I had with it, it looks very promising indeed. Um not quite up to the level of the 730, 735, but I would suggest it's right up there. And it's very notable that the Zeiss branding went on there, which is usually something that Microsoft or, or in the past Nokia doesn't do unless they're very confident about the capability of the camera. And I had a quick chat with the imaging team and they were pretty confident about it. So definitely one for Steve to test once it comes out. And to get that you know strong camera experience in a kind of a 600 series device, I think is pretty remarkable. Yeah, just to clarify one thing, Rafe, can I go back to the office just for a moment? Now, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we're used to having um, full office, well, I say full office, <laughs> editing versions of the office applications on our Windows phones, for instance, the Dot. All of the phones in front of me do have office on them. but And Windows 10, presumably, will have a version of um, Microsoft Office for Touch built in, again, for all these phones, and that just comes as part of the package. But what you're saying, I'm guessing, is the fact that these phones come with a year's worth of 365 for any anything you're signed in on, basically, whether your, your, your laptop or your tablet as well. That's absolutely right. So what you get is a version of Office for your laptop or desktop PC, one for your tablet, and obviously the phone has it anyway. And what's really kind of exciting, well, as exciting as productivity software is going to get anyway, is that with Windows 10, which is obviously still a few months away, well, maybe a little bit longer, you're actually going to get proper full office it's not just the kind of the cut down version you currently have on the phone because it's going to come in the form of the universal app and this was actually something that was demoed on on stage at mwc uh it brings kind of the one experience closer together because it's things like when you open it up you'll see a recent documents list and that will be synced between your laptop and tablet your phone and anyone who's done that kind of experience um, of kind of trying to round trip documents it, you won't even think about it it will just happen and obviously that's enabled through uh, OneDrive cloud storage but you will also kind of get the ribbon experience now we still haven't got the full information on this so it's not clear quite what the functionality will be but certainly the implication is that it's going to be very fully featured um, I suspect there will uh, be quite a bit of functionality missing for power users but for the majority of people using office documents I don't think it's going to be particularly noticeable and honestly the restrictions will more be about the the screen size which is why I kind of identify the 640XL as you know be, being the one that's interesting but yes this office 365 bundle uh, which is going to be 
if you've already got Office 365, by the way, I should say that it'll add on to the end of your existing subscription if you've got a home subscription. If you've already got Office 365 Pro or something like that, it, it doesn't work in quite the same way. So there's a little bit of uh, annoyance there. But honestly, getting kind of the full Office productivity suite for your uh, desktop PC or your laptop, the tablet, when you buy a phone, I think is tremendous value for money. I mean, that's essentially £60 of value right there. So suddenly this phone that costs maybe uh, you know, £160 actually comes down to £100. Now, of course, it doesn't work like that. And uh, Microsoft are being canny here because, as I say, they want to get you into the kind of Microsoft ecosystem. But even so, I think this is a sort of bundling behavior we'll, we'll see from Microsoft more in the future. And absolutely makes sense and just makes these mid-tier devices even better value for money. So every year, rather than buy a new year's worth of Office 365 for your home <laughs> office, you just buy a new Windows phone and you know, accept the fact that you get new, new shiny hardware to play with at the same time. Yeah, you could absolutely think of it that way. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of us are probably going to be buying a phone anyway, so you just go, well, you know, I'll, I'll have the phone and I'll get my Office 365. Now, there's no guarantee that this will carry on long term, but as I say, I do expect Microsoft to do this kind of bundling uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they apply it to other devices in the future. At the moment, it's just restricted to the uh, 640 and the 640XL. But uh, talking of Office productivity, there is something else I want to mention, and we might come back to uh, sum up the 640 in a minute. But Microsoft also showed off a Bluetooth uh, foldable keyboard. It was a bit like going back in oh. time. Do you remember the uh, Nokia <laughs> SU8 keyboard, Steve? That was a class. Still got one. It's a classic Bluetooth keyboard. They're very, very rare. Maybe I should sell mine for megabucks and retire. But uh, yeah, I, back in the day, Rafe, we all used to have foldable Bluetooth Indeed. keyboards um, for our Palm PDAs and whatever, but going back a decade. Yeah, well, I think this is date, dating from when we didn't have touchscreens and text input was actually a lot tougher than it is now. And you certainly yeah. didn't want an on-screen keyboard because the screens weren't very big. Um, it's very nicely done. I mean, Microsoft, uh, I, I'm not actually sure who uh, designed this. I suspect it may well have come out of the uh, kind of Nokia accessory uh, department, uh, which is, of course, now Microsoft. It's very nicely designed indeed. It's actually relatively large, so it's not something that's going to immediately fit in your pocket, but it is the kind of thing that you might um, you know, have in a, a small bag or something like that. And it's kind of the alternative, obviously, to carrying around the full laptop, and it is uh, pretty light. But I think one of the most noticeable things about it was that it actually had uh, a Windows logo on it, uh, iOS or iPhone written on it, and uh, an Android logo. Can't think of very many Microsoft products that you describe like that because it's actually a universal Bluetooth keyboard. There isn't actually a Windows button on the keyboard. There's a, a home button on the keyboard, which, of course, uh, ties in better with Android and iOS. So I think this is going to be a pretty desirable accessory, and particularly, obviously, if you're trying to edit Office documents, this sort of thing makes a, a lot of sense. And obviously, if you've got this activated, the on-screen uh, keyboard won't show, so you can kind of make the most of the screen on the device. And so, you know, really nice bit of accessory, nice bit of thinking, but I also think it's emblematic of the new Microsoft. They're not looking just to create things for their own ecosystem. You know, if you want to use it with an Android and iOS device, that's great. And they're trying to make really the experiences Office on the go go much better. So I, w I was kind of impressed by that. And I think, as I say, it speaks volumes about the direction that Microsoft is heading in. Um, but I will say that Office, um, as I saw it on uh, Windows 10 devices, is going to be a, a very, very strong experience. Uh, it's a bit boring to talk about and not very fashionable, but ultimately, 
that actually is a reason that devices are going to sell. And I think it is in sharp contrast to the iPhone and to a certain extent Android devices, which have been very much driven by their content consumption and media consumption and playing games. And so it's kind of very interesting to see Microsoft uh, approach it from that angle. Um, when I'm talking about Windows 10, I guess it's worth saying that quite a few universal apps were being showed off. Um, for example, we saw Maps for the first time, we also saw uh, Xbox. And, you know, again, it's this emphasis on a similar experience across devices. You know, I, I'm still somewhat concerned that, you know, you have the same look and feel because I don't think you necessarily want the same user interface or experience across both devices. But I'm I'm willing to give it a bit of time and actually see what comes out at the end. Um, and what was good, there is a very, very strong suggestion that each of these apps will adapt, you know, and be context aware depending on what device they're running on. And uh, actually, I had a chance to go to some of the developer sessions as well. And that message comes across really, really strongly that you kind of need to adapt the interface for the particular device you're running on. I, I hope Microsoft kind of takes their own advice there. But of course, once you do get that commonality and this encouragement to use OneDrive for cloud storage, that uh, sync process, that kind of seamless moving from one device to the other works very well. And I think we already identified that as probably the thing that stands out most for us uh, about Windows 10. So you know, despite them being you know, low-end devices, um, actually, it was quite interesting to see a, a real level of interest in them at MWC. The other thing, which is um, more of a subjective comment, really, was I felt that you know, Microsoft devices felt a lot more positive at MWC this time around compared to the last couple of years where there has been this sense of it's not it wasn't pervading doom or anything because I think I've talked about it last time you know they they were always strong and enthusiastic but there's this sense that with Windows 10 coming along it's almost a sense of smugness that actually they know they've got something strong coming down the road they know they produce two good devices they know they've got a strong mid-tier device portfolio and low end they just need to kind of now perhaps work out how to sell it if you're going to be cynical it's still obviously relatively small market share but it was different to uh, the Nokia X last year which was that Android kind of smartphone stroke feature phone device where honestly a lot of the um, uh, Nokia people as it then was were somewhat in communication contortions in order to explain what was going on because frankly the strategy didn't make any sense from a technical point of view now it really does and it's a, a much easier story to tell and that's always going to make for happier uh, communications and marketing people but there was also a, a genuine sense that you know the staff on the stand the demo people were very enthusiastic very keen to share it off and actually could quite easily be sidetracked into conversations about what they thought was really great and kind of the more personal side where the enthusiasm is kind of very obvious and quite infectious rather than very much sticking to the, the demo script. Now, as I say, that's more of a subjective comment, but I, I do think for me that was quite telling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when they announced that um, that Nokia X last last year, I'm not allowed to swear on the podcast, and I don't swear generally, so I just say there was a, w, a WTF moment. I thought, what on earth are they doing in launching that? That makes no sense whatsoever. And I, I, I too, am very glad that everything's now... Uh, Bringing itself more into line, I did see in, in India, I think it's India, uh, Microsoft are actually offering an exchange program from their feature phones up to the Lumia 435. So I, I think I'd like to see that rolled out in more territories for a start. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think those are the kind of tactics that you need to kind of take advantage of the fact there are people out there who are, are fond of the Nokia brand and might be interested in trying out the smartphone and just need a bit of a, a push to get there. You know, don't get me wrong, there's still plenty of work to do. And, you know, it's very obvious going around somewhere like MWC that Android is pretty much dominant within the uh, kind of smartphone space. Uh, obviously, a lot of iPhones as well. But um, if there's anything that was kind of quite telling about Android's growth and dominance. It's sort of all the demos on other stands tend to be with Android devices. Now, it always used to be that Apple, while not being at MWC, had lots and lots of devices around. And while they're still in people's hands, kind of that momentum is starting to shift a bit on some of the third party demos. I'm thinking apps and advertising services, because obviously a lot of the companies do have demo devices on their hands. But also, it's, it's interesting, there were a lot more Windows phone devices about in general, not just because I was spending time on the Microsoft stand. I noticed a few of them uh, riding around on the Metro uh, on Barcelona and also just people walking about with uh, Windows phone devices. Even amongst the media, they actually remain relatively popular, I think, a lot of the time because of the, uh, kind of the strong camera capabilities and they're just very easy to use and people will often have them as a second device. I and mean, that also, and you suspect you know, some of the review programs getting these devices into people's hands is popular but uh i ran into a good good friend of mine uh matt miller as, as part of the festivities and he was carrying around a lumia 830 and it basically had exactly the same reaction that we had kind of amazed that you get 90 percent of a smartphone function yeah. functionality at a relatively small price and uh he's uh, someone who tries pretty much every smartphone under the sun and was uh impressed by the 830 and that was actually a message i heard from uh, a lot of people so quite a few uh 735s around interestingly enough and uh, perhaps they're easy to spot because of the bright colours. But uh, nonetheless, I did think that was interesting. Uh, I think uh, other than that, you know, it was relatively speaking a quieter show for Microsoft. You know, they weren't going big guns on Windows 10 in terms of the demos. And actually it was uh, kind of a smaller demo area than they've uh, had in the past. And there weren't any uh, kind of big additional parties or events um, you know, that were wide open. There were a couple of, let's say, developer sessions, a couple of uh, things for the, the media. But the emphasis was on these two mid-tier devices. But I was so surprised that they got as much attention as they did. But it was one of the wider themes at the show that uh, these mid-tier devices, and it's something we've talked about already, Steve, so we can feel quite prophetic, <laughs> that actually... Why are you going to buy a high-end device when the mid-tier devices are very good indeed and offer kind of 90, 95% of that functionality? And, you know, the story was very clear from something like the ATC M9 and the Samsung S6. Don't get me wrong, very desirable devices. Samsung have done a, a great job in stepping up on the design side. Uh, HTC have sort of improved the M9, which uh, I didn't really think was possible, but um, it's kind of got sharper edges on it. It's got a more attractive unibody design. It just kind of tightened it up so there's less gaps in it. Samsung kind of had an easier job to improve from the plastic monstrosity, which is the S5, <laughs> um, but they've done a, a really great job on the camera, um, improving that over the Note 4, which is notable because I think it's one of the strongest camera phones now. Yeah. Um, but also just it's easy to be a bit sceptical about the kind of the edge the double edge on the s6 and it does make for a very very expensive device i mean we're talking more expensive than an iphone when you're doing a, a direct comparison in terms of kind of the, the memory specs and things like that but it did fit very nicely in the hand it did stand up but it did get everyone talking about samsung and design which it's not really something you'd have expected um, given their performance a year ago but honestly you think about some of the mid-tier devices now be they android or windows phone 
or even, you know, I think iPhones are kind of an exception to this rule because of the big change with yeah. iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. You know, it used to be you could always say, we well, can get a year-old iPhone, but there's a big difference there now. But certainly in the Windows Phone and Android world, the mid-tier devices, and it's not just the kind of upper ends of the mid-tier, it's, it's things, even you look both at something like, say, the Motorola G and then the Motorola E, which uh, the second generation of which was kind of announced around MWC. And then you look at something like the 830 or the 640 you know, from the Lumia side, Honestly, for most people, those are going to be perfectly sufficient, especially when you talk about something like the, the Lumia 640, having essentially all the core experiences, and, you know, things like the extra stuff from the camera, but also, you know, just that slightly high resolution screen, all those little bits and pieces and the additional software around Storyteller, Creative Studio, all the uh, here bits and pieces. Honestly, you know, aside from getting kind of better design or different materials and a slightly higher end uh, camera very little to choose between them and so you know if you're not obsessed by your smartphone tech you can save yourself yeah. a lot of money and get something equivalent and i think that's going to be the big story in 2015 there will be a shift in the kind of the portfolio mix for smartphones with it's not less people buying high-end but i think it'll be more people buying mid-tier devices because actually that's where the best value now lies in the smartphone market absolutely i've actually got a moto g second gen the, the 25 inch screened version here at the moment and it's an astonishing device i mean it's it's something like 140 150 pounds on amazon at the moment and it, it does 98 percent, well 95 percent of what the nexus 6 does at 500 pounds and uh, it's very much equivalent in the android world to as you say the 640 we just mentioned and also to the 735 which came out a few months ago and what uh, i'd like to do actually well i've got this moto g 2014 second gen is to do one of my famous sort of tabular head-to-heads because i think they they both they're very equivalent devices from the two ecosystems, really. And to compare them blow for blow, it would be very interesting to see which one comes out on top. But I've been very impressed by this uh, Moto G and, and also the 735 when I had it in. So uh, <laughs> even Stevens and great value for money for the consumer. As you say, you the, this, the, the bigger sales have always been at the low end with the flagship just picking up the... Uh, that the high-end sale and the mid-tier kind of gets lost but I, I agree i think the the mid-tier is where the the action will be in the coming 12 months and it's great to see multiple manufacturers getting into that space and you know it, it's how do you add even more on and uh, microsoft is doing it by kind of bringing down some of the camera features which i think will be um, a really strong selling point and as we say this office 365 bundle is very interesting as well be interesting to see what happens in the retail because you know they've tried various promotions like including a, a free wireless charger that's something uh, microsoft did in the uk with the 830 i think there's potential to do something similar in the mid-tier because obviously it's very hard to do with the low-end device when you're just charging you know, 50 to 100 pounds but when it's a little bit more uh, you know, you can justify as a consumer if you think you're getting a better device, and really y- you are. And it's sort of, it's that adage that you know you you are paying obviously double what you would for a high end device, and maybe even more. But it does feel like you're probably getting double your value for money. But when you then go up another double, you know, to get to the high end devices, it really doesn't feel like you're getting value for money. Now it's interesting, uh, and you made this point in your kind of 2015 review of the Lumia 930, Steve, that now that's down to 300 pounds. That does actually feel like pretty uh, fantastic value for money, and at that price, absolutely, you can make yeah. a recommendation for that over the 640. But if it was at its original price of 400, 450, which presumably that the new flagship will be, it then becomes more difficult, don't you think? Ah, uh-huh, you admit it. There is a new flagship coming. Well, ah, we need this. Yes, well, we, we, <laughs> I, I believe you heard um, Stephen Elot mention that on stage, actually, didn't you? We, we did, and actually, uh, that's kind of uh, took uh, the wind out of everyone's uh, sails in terms of that question about 
high-end devices. And yes, I mean, it's not really a surprise. It's going to arrive with Windows 10. It's going to be on a brand new hardware family. All of this was quite predictable. Um, What chipset it'll be, I mean, the likelihood, I guess, is the uh, uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon 810. Um, I think it will be uh, too early for something like the 820. But there's always the possibility of something a little bit different. But actually, I think the more interesting bit will be the kind of the surrounding uh, bits of the chip rather than the core processor, because actually the processor at the moment it's perfectly sufficient to run uh, Windows 10, but you can sort of do add-on things around things like quick charge 2.0, that's quicker charging your battery, maybe some additional performance for the, the camera. Maybe glance screen. Glance screen, absolutely. Things like that, and also more of this uh, voice recognition stuff that you've got on the 930. So there's going to be a, a whole bunch of new stuff there, and I wouldn't be at all surprised um, if there are some brand new things as well you know, having asked one of uh, Microsoft's marketing executives about this, it sort of said, how how do you differentiate at the high end? You know, what's going to make me buy the 940, frankly? Because honestly, I can't see it at the moment. Um, and said, so, ah, well, we're going to have to keep doing interesting new things and innovation on our high-end devices. So I suspect there may be some hardware thing that we haven't thought of yet. And, you know, not just one of these little things that I just talked about. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's pointless to speculate at this point in time, but look for something around design and materials and potentially something like a fingerprint sensor that could be coming in. Um, you know, Qualcomm are actually showing some stuff off at MWC that's going to make that a, a lot easier. Um, potentially even, you never know, something around energy efficiency, putting some kind of solar panel behind the screen. Those are a little bit more far out. Um, and I think there'll almost certainly be some innovation around the camera as well. Um, Microsoft's kind of got good track record in that department. But yes, as to when it will arrive, well, I think it will probably be uh, mid or late summer. Um, there will be presumably a announcement event sometime in the middle of the summer, um, and it will be out in plenty of time for kind of the uh, the Christmas uh, sales period. But really, that's going to be all around the, the big push for Windows 10, and there'll be a flagship device to kind of act as a halo. Uh, kind of disappointing that it's going to, you know, taking that long. It will, by that time, of course, be quite a significant period of time since the uh, 9.30 uh, was announced. Uh, we'll kind of get greedy about expecting devices to appear all the time. Uh, but I think it's probably the right decision. There's no point frustrating people with doing a Lumia 900 type device that sort of gets superseded very quickly or feels out of date. And you know, doing the new flagship to coincide with the Windows 10 launch absolutely makes sense to me. Um, even if uh, kind of as a smartphone geek, I'd like to see something straight away. Yeah. So something interesting on the hardware for the 940. Um, I've got a frog in my throat. <coughs> Xenon. <coughs> Xenon. Yeah, I, I think you may be. Keep dreaming, Steve. Um, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I did notice, actually, I did a story on the site about um, one of these uh, ODM devices, uh, the Koship BVC-X1, which I, I gather is going to be rebadged by various uh, Windows phone um, kind of manufacturers and distributors around the world under different names. But this seemed like quite a, a decent spec. I ignore the fact it's got a Snapdragon 410 chipset. I mean, the 410 is obviously an evolution of the 400 and is fairly capable in itself. But a five and a half inch 1080p display up to 4G, waterproof, dustproof, um, ships the Windows Phone 8.1 update, one, two gig of RAM, 13 megapixel rear camera, five megapixel front, 16 internal storage plus microSD. This is a fairly capable fablet, Rafe. And I, I, did you have any, any clue as to who would actually produce this around the world and did you have, get hands on with it? I didn't actually see this device, which is pretty shocking because I was walking around a lot of the uh, show halls. I did see 
various other Windows Phone devices, and that was a, another change to last year. It's kind of we've seen this at um, some of the previous shows, like IFA and CES as well. Lots of no-name manufacturers producing these devices, and then talking about when they're going to come out and be available is actually pretty difficult. Um, but yes, you're you're right to say that this is a, a more interesting spec than the low-end devices. I mean, Acer, for example, yeah. announced a new low-end device, but there were a couple of companies showing off slightly higher-end specs. Uh, Yes was showing off some new devices, for example, and there was also a company called Freetail from Japan, which actually kind of took my award for the the most attractive of the new devices. And I'm going to have to go and check some of my photos to see whether I saw this one uh, in passing, because part of the problem with these devices, they do kind of uh, blur into one another. And uh, some of the renders that you see don't actually bear all that m- relation to what you see on the, uh, on the on the stand itself. But yes, I mean, these devices attract a lot of interest but of course if they don't ship anywhere or don't ship in significant numbers it's hard to really measure their impact and uh, so far i think if anything microsoft has to be quite careful that these oem devices from kind of these second third fourth tier manufacturers don't end up damaging the windows phone brand i mean at the moment you could be a little bit cynical and say there's no risk of that because they're hardly being sold anywhere but i think in time they will pick up and it'll be very interesting to see with Windows 10, whether there are operators willing to kind of pick up on some of these devices and just have alternatives to the, the Microsoft ones. The only place I've really seen them in the UK is places like uh, Maplins or Dixons or Argos, rather than in the mainstream kind of operator stores. Um, it, it's entirely possible that that will change. But what we are seeing is a second generation of these devices where they start to fix some of the problems with the early ones. And there's an appreciation that you can't just do the low end devices and it's absolutely possible to undercut some of the lumia pricing at the mid-tier i feel it's hard to do at the low end because you know microsoft had the, the volume scales and if you think of something like the 435 it's being sold for 50 pounds per as you go in the uk that's going to be hard for anyone to match but the mid-tier potentially you can do a hundred pound device or you know have something equivalent to the 640 or maybe with some extra specs either you know in the megapixel count which may be a little bit pointless or more to point something like this uh, co-ship beefy cx1 having a, a 1080p display um, you do worry a little bit as you pointed out in previous reviews with some of the devices we've seen that they don't think some of the specs through and you know they don't support each other and so the 1080p screen on a snapdragon 400 i i, I wonder how well that will actually run in reality um I, I'm going to go through some of the uh, photos that I took and uh, kind of show off some of these third-party Windows phone devices, you know, talk to some of the companies behind them. And actually, uh, they were quite clear when they said, we're looking for partners to distribute these devices. It didn't actually necessarily mean they were going to be available in retail. So it's kind of an open question how many of these make it to the market in significant numbers. Now, I think uh, the big companies, Acer, probably being the best example, absolutely will ship the devices. But some of the smaller companies um, with some names like um, Freetail is probably a good example because they're they're actually uh, looking for partners now. And actually, to say that was the pick of the uh, devices I saw, in my opinion, it kind of was a metal uh, back to the device and um, around the sort of £150 price point for a mid-tier device, sort of equivalent to the 735, I would say. Uh, but this, this one that you've uh, highlighted on the site, the co-ship, actually looks pretty interesting. Um, so I'm going to see if I can find out a little bit more about that. Okay, and just to, to distract, distracted there by the Lumia 435, bright orange yes. and chunky in my hands. So if we just briefly touch on this before we finish. Um, I've only had it in my hands for about three hours, Rafe. This is very new to me, just arrived for review. 
I, I, I'm presuming you had hands-on at the show show floor. It's, it's it's certainly thicker than your average smartphone. I'm guessing just not the same uh, design available to, to to make it thin, and that the same high-tech components that can be produced thinner that, that we used to seeing on, for example, things like the the 830. The 435 is very definitely. It feels like a feature phone plus, which is in essentially how it's being marketed. Um, you said it was um 50 pounds on Peugeot. I've actually seen it for 40 pounds. I think wow. on Peugeot one site. So, and I think that at that level, I think it will sell fairly well. And it specified pretty well. Like this this um, baseline I mentioned earlier, eight gigabytes of internal memory, one gig of RAM. Front-facing camera. Um, the, the screen isn't fantastic. The um, the front-facing camera is only VGA, but heck, who cares? This runs the Windows Phone 8.1 update one just as fast as most of the other Windows phones on my desk. At that price, you, you literally can afford to just you know buy them and chuck them away and drop them and break them and buy another one. Um, this terrific little value fit thing. Um, it remains to be seen, of course, how good the things like the camera is and the the music and the audio and so forth. The speaker's great. I was already deafened my daughter by playing some Taylor Swift to her earlier. Um, so, so far, quite quite a positive experience, apart from the shocking orange colour. People may know I, I'd replaced the shocking orange back of my 930 with the black one because I just could not take it anymore. And I'm not sure I can stand this 435 for my very long either. But um, did you get hands-on with the 435 at uh, MWC? Yeah, I took a, a quick look at it, and I, I would describe it as kind of similar to the 520, and it does look like it's eaten a few pies. But as you say, at that price range, it's kind of acceptable. I, I don't know how much of that is, I wouldn't necessarily say deliberate, but of course, when you're getting at that price point, yeah, you may be using slightly larger components or, yeah. you know, the plastic mouldings are done in a, a cheaper way. And so, you know, getting all the circuitry and the battery, you know, really crammed into a small space basically you're having to make more compromises and i guess it doesn't hurt to actually differentiate it a bit from something like the 535 uh, i'd actually say it's probably a, a step up on the um the 520 design it feels not quite as you know chunky and unattractive as that but as you say it's very definitely kind of uh a more from the feature i mean you can tell it costs 50 quid and frankly that's absolutely fine it's clearly one of the devices that if you remember uh, nokia talked about some of the uh, devices that were originally going to be in the X series that kind of Android feature phones or smartphones were going to get transferred over to Windows Phone. Even at the time we commented they were kind of running very similar specifications. I think this is the ideal candidate for this as what has happened is they've taken it off the uh, X roadmap. Maybe this was the X3 or the X5 or something and put it into the Lumia family. Um, I, I don't think that's a problem. Actually, I think having Windows Phone get down to that price point is amazing frankly and the fact it's happened so quickly is, is great there are still cheaper android devices out there you can you know they were there were ones being advertised as being sort of 20 pounds at mwc or 30 pounds now they weren't very good devices and, and therein lies the point i think the 435 while it does have some significant cuts in it doesn't have as many cuts as the competing devices at yeah. that, that price point and so it's what i've sort of sent a bit like a broken record i actually think windows phone demonstrates its value um, the very best at the low end just because it feels like android has a kind of a bigger fall off when you get to those low end devices particularly once you start using your device for you know a couple of months you, you won't always notice it initially but it's just the kind of the cruft that builds up um, and actually it, it, you know we don't don't think that windows phone is totally free from this because some of the other low end devices that have just four gigabytes of internal space or low ram we've kind of criticized <laughs> but actually the 435 manages to largely avoid that problem of course there's also the micro sd card slot which is a bit of a cop out but even so i think probably should be counted um so interested to see what you make of it and i guess we'll uh, 
report back in more detail on the 435 next week once you've had a chance to have a play with it, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to send it on to you as well, if you, especially if you haven't got your own 435 yet and get a second opinion. So Yeah, well, as you say, I'm, I'm tempted to um, do a Steve, go out and buy one, chuck it away and buy one the next morning, which is, I think, what you were suggesting earlier. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite so environmentally irresponsible. Yeah, um, but it, it is interesting. I mean, it kind of makes a point that, uh, you know, smartphones have become increasingly kind of essential to your life. And it is now absolutely possible to kind of have a second phone either as a backup or something that you might take when you're just a bit wary about taking a more expensive phone out now that might be uh, on the beach or something like that and i'm kind of waiting until um you get some more waterproof phones and actually that'll be great for sort of going uh, walking or running when it's uh, abysmal weather but um there is a problem with that of course is that you know you restore the backup and everything works well what i'd like to see microsoft do is kind of enable the ability to almost keep two phones in sync if you like uh, i think we're still probably a while away from that and it's a sort of a bit of an edge case but um i know i use uh, multiple windows phone devices and i know you do too steve and uh, but you can sort of see a mass market application potentially for that when you you, you do have this kind of backup phone syndrome it does kind of require operators to get into the modern age and do more along the lines of a vodafone companion sim option and have uh, See both devices ring, but that's uh, it's a completely another story. But it, it, it certainly at least makes me think a little bit more about that kind of thing. And uh, I do know people who have multiple versions of the same phone and they leave them in different places for precisely that reason. Uh, but yes, 435, we'll um, talk about more next week. I guess we're um, kind of getting towards the end of this podcast because we're hitting uh, the 40 minute mark. We will try and talk some more about some of the other MWC things. Uh, next time around some of the other hands at some of the other services that I got to see. But uh, one thing I do want to mention is that there's Windows Phone 8.1 Update 2. A little bit of um, interest around that at MWC because that was running on all the new devices and it's also necessary for the new uh, Bluetooth heart keyboard that I mentioned because that supports the uh, Bluetooth HID profile. Um, I did a story on it, Rafe, on the and, site. And you did a story on it on the site. And I'm just mentioning it for the benefit of our dear podcasters. Although I'm, I'm sure they hang off your every word, Steve. They do. Um, and there, there are a couple of extra bits in there around settings, you know, kind of slightly better organization and an all apps link at the bottom of the screen. But actually, it's a pretty minor update. So it's not one to get uh, too excited about. Uh, really, it's still looking forward to Windows 10. But uh, that is, as I say, the software that's running on the, on the new devices and also on some of the uh, kind of uh, uh, smaller OEM devices that we've been talking about. But uh, was there anything else you wanted to, to mention in this week's podcast, Steve? Yes, just very quickly before we finish, uh, we were all big fans of Nokia Creative Studio back in the day with red eye removal and uh, color pop and all sorts of other editing tools. It then got taken over by Microsoft and became Lumia Creative Studio and they rewrote it and got rid of the color pop and the red eye removal. Mm. They've gradually been reintroducing the features. First of all, color pop came back, hooray. And now this week, red eye removal is back as well and it mm. works really, really well. So um, if, if we, when you tap on edit, um, from Lumia Camera 5 or whatever, um, if you, rather than go to the, the bog-standard Windows phone, you know, rotate and crop, always head to Lumia Creative Studio. It has the full reframing functionality. It has all the filters. It has uh, everything you can imagine, including ColourPop, including red-eye removal. It's a really great tool now. And the, the workflow of having uh, Lumia Camera 5 with the rich capture, if you need it, see today's article for more on that, um, and the Lumia Creative Studio with this red-eye removal is a really uh, rich set of functionality, Rafe. And I, I think I it almost keeps me on Windows Phone. I've got lots of other devices around me, but I keep coming back to 
um, the photography and working with those photographs and editing after the fact and sharing particular combinations of, of, of images. It just works so well on Windows Phone and uh, credit to Microsoft for putting all these re well-requested features back in. Yeah, and uh, I agree with that. I mean, it's certainly something I miss when I'm using other devices. And it's interesting, It's I wouldn't even say it's a lack of capabilities because you can get photo editors on other platforms. I mean, you do have to work out whatever your preferred one. But I think it's just the consistency and the seamlessness of the experience on the Windows Phone devices, uh, you know, does bear a second look. And I think it, you know, uh, Microsoft doesn't really get the credit it deserves for that complete workflow when taking photos. I mean, it was interesting to see both Samsung and HTC making kind of pains to talk about this in their own customized camera software. But, uh, and to be fair, they're starting to do editing functionality as well. But when you actually went and tried out the demo devices, it just didn't feel quite as slick. And um, like, like you say, Steve, very glad to see uh, Lumia Chemistry kind of get some of those those things back because it was a bit irritating when they removed. And I think speaking from experience, the most irritating thing you can do as a, a smartphone manufacturer and to a certain extent an app developer is remove uh, what feels like quite core features um uh, you might might laugh when i say that about color pop or red eye removal in terms of um you know that photo editing but actually uh, i think they were quite a big deal so yeah great news to see them back and uh, there's lots more um lumia app updates to come uh, it was one of the things that was quite obvious that there's going to be a whole range of them with uh, Windows 10 and they're, I think, hard at work on them now. So whether we see many more updates for kind of the Windows 8.1 device, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I think a lot of the favorites are going to be reworked for Windows 10. So that's going to be well worth looking out for as well. Yeah, just very quickly before we finish, just a, a, a Vox Pop. Rafe, are you actually on with the Windows 10 technical preview on your laptop now? Um, I've tried it on a kind of a spare laptop and actually works very well indeed. I'm also yeah. running it on um, kind of a, a spare 630. I, I'm not using it as my main device because I don't think on the phone it's it's ready for that yet. Yeah. Uh, on the laptop, it's a lot closer and um, I really need to use it on the, the Surface Pro 3 that I have because that will take advantage of some of the additional features like uh, a continuum and switching between the kind of the tablet and the laptop modes. But uh, for me, at least, it's a, a step up from Windows 8. I wasn't quite so anti-Windows 8 as everyone else. I think it's once you get used to using it, you can sort of really enjoy it. And a lot of it made sense to me. But it does feel less jarring now, switching between the modes. And you know, the return of Windows um, is quite welcome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting the finished experience and getting that crossover from the phone. Because there are, are some things that don't work quite as well as they should. And um, as I say, I'm kind of running it on a test laptop rather than my main one. And uh, until I switch over completely, I'm not sure I'll really be able to fully appreciate the benefits. But uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing and you've got a, an old laptop spare, it's um, yeah definitely worth having a look at. Yeah, we mentioned the uh, possibility of a flagship later in the year. And what I'd like to do in next week's podcast, Rafe, apart from cover the other usual news, is perhaps we could do some crystal ball gazing and work out what we would put into a Lumia 940. I mean, we mentioned it briefly, but I'd like to go into more detail exactly what we'd like to see, what we can expect and what... What we might hope for as well. So maybe that can form the feature at the end of next week's podcast. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me as well. Thanks very much for listening.